This episode is brought to you in part by Richmond Graduate University. The field of mental health counseling is growing rapidly. Richmond Graduate University can equip you to become a licensed professional counselor, integrating your faith into your clinical practice. Programs are offered in Atlanta, Chattanooga, and online. Apply today at richmont.edu. This episode of Quick to Listen is brought to you in part by Classic Christian Thinkers, the new book by author and theologian Kenneth Samples. It highlights the lives of some of Christianity's greatest historical figures. Get your copy today by visiting www.reasons.org slash quick to listen. Today is Wednesday, May 29th, and you're listening to Quick to Listen, where we go beyond hashtags and hot takes to discuss a major cultural event. I'm Morgan Lee, digital media producer here at Christianity Today, and I am joined by my co-host, Mark Galley. Hello. Hey, Mark. How's it going? Good. Good to actually be here. We were on our way back from Colorado, driving back. We were stuck on the side of the road because of threatened hailstones as big as a quarter or even bigger, oh, <laughs> as wow. well as a tornado touches touching down. Wow! So I was thinking maybe we're gonna have to spend another n- night on the road before I get back home. But it cleared up pretty quickly, and we were able to move along. Is that like somehow safer to just be pulled over? Well, you're pulled over under an underpass. Oh, okay. so a lot of us were pulled over under underpass. To the point where the road exact itself, the highway itself, was actually blocked by people waiting for this thing to pass. Yeah, no kidding. Well, that's exciting. I know that there's been a lot of really just like intense Midwestern weather this yeah, week. Yeah, exactly. So we we just we were on the edges of it, not the center. People in the center really had some disastrous things happen. All right. Well, welcome back. Who is our guest today? Our guest is Kwok Wai Luen, uh, better known as Andrew. That's how we'll be addressing him for this podcast. He's Associate Professor in the Department of Religion and Philosophy at Hong Kong Baptist University, where he is also Associate Director for the Center for Sino-Christian Studies. Welcome, Andrew. Hello, Matt. Hello, Morgan. And, and if I understand correctly, you're not in Hong Kong right now. You are in the UK. Oh, yes. Now uh, I have my research sabbatical um, at Oxford University. Yeah. And what are you studying this year? Well, this year I'm studying on the social justice issue of uh, Chinese Christianity in Republican period. That is the earlier 20th century. Yeah, um, I am yeah writing up a book. Yeah, that uh, I want to finish it uh, before the summer. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to having you on the show, and it'll be come pretty apparent about why we're going to be having you on the show as I get into our summary today. So. In April, nine Hong Kong activists were convicted for participating in the pro-democracy Occupy Central and Umbrella Movement protests. One of those was a Baptist pastor, Chu Yuming. In the courtroom, he painted a vivid picture of the faith that had transformed his life and inspired his activism. We have no regrets. We hold no grudges, no anger, no grievances. We do not give up, he said, speaking on behalf of fellow activists striving to bring universal voting rights to Hong Kong. In the words of Jesus, happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. The kingdom of heaven belongs to them. And he was quoting from Matthew 5.10 there. 
Christianity Today's coverage of Chu's sermon was one of our most popular news stories of the year, with many on social media praising his bravery. Chu was not the only leader known for his faith. Earlier this month, Joshua Wong, a 22-year-old Hong Kong pro-democracy activist, was returned to prison. Earlier this year, he told this to World Magazine. As Christians, we are not only responsible for preaching the gospel and then waiting to go to heaven when we die. We need to be bringing heaven down to earth. This seems like a totally idealistic dream, but if we want that dream to come true, how should we let people know that as Christians, if we don't focus only on trying to increase our salaries and better our careers? We ask, how can we do more for the people around us? The Umbrella Movement and Occupy Central protests have not been welcomed by all Christians. Several years ago, Archbishop Paul Kwong at Anglican St. John's Cathedral angered many Hong Kong Christians after saying that pro-democracy activists should remain silent, as Jesus did while being crucified more than 2,000 years ago. This week on Quick to Listen, we'll explore what's at stake in the Umbrella Movement, how Christians have influenced it, but also why it's divided the church. All right, so we have lots of things to get into today. Mark, I would love to just get a gut reaction from you as we start. Ah, my gut reaction was, well, probably uh, since I'm not completely familiar with uh, what's going on there, and what one of the reasons I enjoy doing this podcast is getting more familiar, but I have been familiar at a distance with many uh, Chinese activists whose faith uh, prods them to work for human rights. And I do know the story of some of them and the sacrifices it requires, and I have to admit I am deeply impressed with their level of commitment. So I, that's my gut reaction whenever I, I, I marvel at their courage. I am definitely really interested in this with regards to the way that it seems like it has potentially split the Hong Kong Christian community. I definitely know that it seems to echo things in our own country, especially around the civil rights era 50 years ago about Christians who felt that in some ways there was a tension between their own faith and politically organizing in this particular way. And it seems like it's always a really controversial thing when Christians decide that their faith is the thing that leads them to the streets, while there's other Christians feel like that's really inappropriate to um maybe protest the government that way. Yeah, I'm just really looking forward to our discussion about this. And Andrew, so I'm wondering if you can tell our listeners what the Umbrella Movement is exactly and what it's about. Actually, if you know that Umbrella Movement is not the original name um, that Bandy Tai uh, referenced to and another uh, university professor, uh, Dr. Chen, Chen Kimin, Originally, they named the movement as uh, Occupy Central with Love and Peace. In 2013 January, uh, Bandy Tai wrote an uh, article in a local newspaper. Actually, the, the, the name, the title of that newspaper uh, article is very annoying. That's called the Mass Destructive Weapon for Democratic movement. But because um, the central government promised uh, Hong Kong people we will have a universal vote right after 1997 for our chief executive. But finally, you found that after nearly 20 years, uh, that kind of election cannot be realized. So Benny Time in 2013, uh, he wrote that article and he just 
at that time, he conceived that uh, give the central government refused to give a true, a meaningful uh, universal voting rights to Hong Kong people. Then he suggests that Hong Kong people should have a kind of uh, civil disobedience movement to give pressure to Hong Kong government and central government um, to uh, grant us uh, the universal voting right. So this is the very beginning of the so-called Umbrella Movement. Actually, it, it was called Occupy Central with Love and Peace. And because of this newspaper title, a mass destructive weapon, okay, so this title um, has ignited a lot of derision among different social groups. So um, it it uh, it just light a fire. Then um, a, a lot of people discuss uh, whether uh, it is good, okay, to use a kind of destructive weapon, okay, to realize uh, democracy in Hong Kong. You find that actually, because many Hong Kong people they want to have democracy for a very very long time, since 1980s, Hong Kong people start um to ask for direct election, okay, um both legislation and uh, also uh for the executive uh, head, uh we want to have that kind of democracy, but. So even when the the British were in charge of Hong Kong, the Hong Kong people were not allowed to vote. Is that correct? Um, we have the first that uh, we have the first indirect election for the legislature uh, in 1984, and then we have the first direct election in 1991. So it is very late, and the British uh document that released recently, um, one of the factors that we cannot have direct election in 1988 because the communist government, the, the Chinese government, want to stop that direct election by that time and give uh, diplomatic pressure uh, to uh, British government. So that stopped yeah, the direct election proposal in 1980s. Yeah. And since then, basically after... Hong Kong moved from being under British control to Chinese control. As you mentioned, they have not been able to secure voting rights, which has then led people to protest the government. But just before, just before uh, the handover, that is the first direct election is in 1991. So this is the first uh, direct election in Hong Kong. So very short time. Uh, But in 1980s, British uh, government, they already want to um, have some kind of so-called localization process. So in Hong Kong, we have some uh, basic self-governing councils, okay? Uh, for example, district boards or uh, the urban council by that time, that is um, the local governing uh, bodies, okay? Um, British government, they start direct election in 1980s. Um, so this is the starting point that you can say that uh, the Hong Kong people have democracy uh, in legislature or the local governments. Yeah. And in what year do you, would you say that the Occupy Central movements started? Benny Tai uh, start 
his propaganda uh, in 2013. But actually, um, the movement uh, um, broke out in 2014, September 28th. And in between, you will find that actually uh, Christian groups are highly involved in that movement. Yeah, because just after January 2013, the first article, Benny Tai came out, and then he wrote um, another article in Christian newspaper in February and to call for Christians to support uh, his uh, civil disobedience project. And then in March 2013, uh, Reverend Ju, uh, Dr. Chen, and Benny Tai, they have a kind of a manifesto uh, on Occupy Central Movement. And that manifesto um, was issued and announced uh, and has a press conference in a church. So you can see that Christians are highly involved in that movement. So you have these Christians who are involved all the way back in 2013 and 2014. What can you tell us about this guy who we mentioned, Joshua Wong? He is a bright young man. Uh, you can say that um, a second generation of, um, um, of a Christian family. Uh, he became um, a social leader in 2012. There was a campaign called the Anti-National uh, Education Campaign uh, because in 2012, Hong Kong government, um, they proposed to have a kind of curriculum to have the so-called the national education. But the students found that um, national education quite brainwashing, and in not a kind of uh, uh, civic education, uh, but rather than a kind of uh, brainwashing uh, education. So uh, Joshua Wong, by that time, uh, with, uh, by that time, they were secondary school students. They have other secondary school students um, form a group called Scholarism. Uh, that is a, uh, a group that calls Scholarism. And then they they initiate a campaign against the government. And then in September 2012, university students and secondary school students, they sit in um, before um, the government headquarters. And I, I think by that time, around um, 30,000 people uh, sit in there and cause a, a lot of uh, pressure to the government. And then at last, the government just canceled the whole proposal about the national education. So this is this is what yeah uh, what happened. Yeah. So he originally, you said, was protesting this idea that the the government might be trying to use propaganda on them. And then I'm assuming he moved from that political campaign to become more political and to to, to participate in Occupy Central as well. Yes. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. Because after that uh, campaign, he become one of um, very famous young uh, social activist yeah, by that time. How was he regarded by his uh, local churches then? Was he regarded as a radical or is he a hero or what? As far as I know, um, his own congregation church, at least, they give him uh, spiritual support um, and, and still 
embrace him as a, a good member and brother in Christ. So I think his own church actually uh, support him quite well, as, as far as I know. Um, yeah, um, his congregations and his pastor, I, I, uh, as I know, uh, they offer him um, spiritual care and spiritual support. So um, they do not very stand out for political actions, but at least um, they consider him as a very good brother and yeah, and embrace him. Yeah, but for other Christians uh, in other congregations, you will find that the opinions are quite uh, uh, to work along uh, and other social activists, uh, uh, Christian social activists. You were saying that other Christians don't necessarily support what's happening. What are the main arguments that they're saying against the Christians who are supporting the movements? As um, you and Mark had talked about um, uh, Bishop Paul Kong, um, actually, you know, this is uh, one of the very typical arguments uh, about why they are, go against the Occupy movement. The first is that uh, they think democracy is not a necessary good. Okay, <laughs> Democracy cannot uh, solve all the problems. Uh, so, don't go for civil disobedience movement just for democracy. And they think that this is not uh, something uh, wilding human rights or not a very uh, oppressive regime. Um, so uh, there's no case for a kind of uh, civil disobedience. Uh, they think civil disobedience uh, um, should be done unless you face uh, some kind of segregation or some kind of uh, racial discrimination. That's, that's what they think. And they think democracy and voting rights uh, cannot use civil disobedience to solve the things. And then the second thing uh, is that uh, they think Occupy Central is not civil disobedience. They think Occupy Central is a kind of occupying movement. So they are intentionally violating the law. And that law is not directly related to what you want to 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 uh, to object yeah to or to achieve. Yeah. And so that so that they think actually there's no case intentionally to violate uh, a rightful law um, is not a Christian practice. And um, so this is the second argument. And the third argument is that uh, some Christians think, oh, China is uh, on the road of become better and better. And why do you use such a kind of oppositional and violent movement yeah, to against the government? Um, and this is very unwise to do the things. So this is the third argument. Yeah, for those Christians um, opposed uh, the Occupy Central Movement, yeah, they... Actually, I, I would describe them, they are living in a quite alternative reality with those in the social participation, yeah. What do, you, what do you mean by that, alternative reality? They think, okay, Hong Kong is quite good. Hong Kong is prosperous. Hong Kong is stable. Hong Kong, compared with maybe other Asian regions, is safe and quote-unquote, just, and so that from this perception of reality, they think that this is 
no case for civil disobedience. Yeah. Okay. So you're not saying that's a false reality. That's just what they experience and how they react to it. Well, I think for them, this is not a false reality, but maybe this is the reality that they can enjoy and they are living in. So it is somehow a puzzle, <laughs> a puzzle, uh, true reality. Okay. Uh huh. Not totally true. Yeah. But yeah, somehow they are oh, in that reality. Or you, you can say that this is uh, quite unfortunately that why we are in a so deep division in Hong Kong churches. Yeah. Okay. Because some 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 people they 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 are well off, they enjoy much uh, privilege, but other maybe uh thing they are problems, yeah. Yeah. So in other words, it may be true for the people who are not protesting. All of this may be true for them, but it may not be true for the entire country. Indeed. Indeed. All right. So you have this split. And I, I'm just curious right now, Andrew, how severe has the Occupy Central movement caused the church? How much division is there today? I think um, now in the church uh, uh, in Hong Kong, we still talking about two very important issues. The first issue is uh, the division still there. And then uh, now somehow politics become a kind of uh, taboo in ordinary church life, unless your church is quite active already in social movement. Then maybe everyone maybe just shut up and do not talk about politics. And this is uh, what ordinary church life happened. But on the other hand, you will find that Christians are very, very active. Um, those Christians uh, want to support the social movement. They are very active outside the church. And then you will find that for the young generation, because they are very disappointed uh, with the church leadership, uh, they are conservative uh, politically, they left the church. Um, so in Hong Kong recently, um, a big topic is about uh, the young generation left church. I, I think this is uh, a big problem that we face, yeah. So there's this sense that because the older generation didn't support some of these protests or fewer older Christians supported the protests, overall, some of the young people who did support the protests don't even want to be in the church anymore. Indeed, yeah, they left. I, I was I read this article to do some more research about this topic. It, it interviewed some of the parents of the protesters, and one of them was Joshua Wong's parents. He basically said that it had been really confusing and hard for the parents to see their son in this position. I'm just curious if, if that is your experience at all, where within Christian families, there's also been division over this as well. I think there's division. Joshua Wong's father is... Um quite exceptional, yeah, because his father is very active, an active conservative evangelical. And before all this democratic movement, uh, his father is active in some kind of um, pro-family movement. Uh, he is very en engaged uh, to the movement against um, LGBT in Hong Kong. And so that you will find that um, his father already is some kind of social activist. And so why that uh, Josh Wong's father um, is very supportive to Georgia. And somehow I think that political activism also influenced Georgia. 
But for some family mem- uh, uh, parents, uh, actually, um, uh, as I have told you, I, uh, I'm a theology of member of Christian and Missionary Alliance Union Hong Kong. In, during the um, umbrella movement um, or Occupy movement um, period, parents expressed uh, their worries about their children. Uh, they worry their children uh, being arrested by the police and, uh, or uh, being beaten by, uh, by police. Uh, and then um, our denomination organized uh, some kind of dialogue between different parties, between parents and uh, and the students, and uh, and even we invite uh, some uh, retired police officers um, and to engage with the students and to have dialogue. And so you see that ordinary Christian families, their parents are very worried about their children by the time. This episode is brought to you by smallgroups.com. Find everything you need to build, grow, and maintain a healthy, thriving small group ministry. Smallgroups.com equips you to develop your ministry model and train your leaders, to nurture spiritual growth in group members, to troubleshoot typical group problems, and also to avoid common pitfalls. Whatever your role in developing life-changing community, we have resources for you. Visit smallgroups.com today. So how do they relate? How do the uh, pro- the people who are involved, the Christians who are involved in the Occupy movement, how do they understand their the relationship of their faith to their politics? And let me just step take a step back. Uh, obviously, they see that their Christian faith demands that they work for human rights and for democracy. Yet there are other parts of the world, not too far from Hong Kong, <laughs> where there are Christians who are committed, who think that communism and Christianity can, can coexist. Uh, and then there's, of course, uh, Latin American theologians who think Marxism and Christianity can coexist, that Christianity almost demands the types of Marxist uh, approach to life. So how, how, do, how do they relate their faith to their particular political passions? Uh, your question is very good. Actually, before uh, the Occupy movement, um, actually, or even the Occupy movement, Benny Thai and uh, Reverend Ju, they do not attempt to uh, overthrow the communist China. Actually, uh, they they just ask for the communist China, China to fulfill their promise uh, for um, the universal vote rights for Hong Kong people. So um, for Christians in Hong Kong, when they join in the uh, civil disobedience movement, um, I think they they have the, a kind of um, a heart to want to see uh, justice, okay? Um, or um, they want to do something good for their later generation, rather than they want to overthrow uh, the communist government. So I think... We are quite different from um, liberation theology, thinking that whether whether uh, communism or Christianity can be coexist, or whether we can join, whether we should join in uh, communism to support a kind of uh, liberation. Okay, in Hong Kong, I I don't think we have that kind of theological perspective. Rather, uh, you will find that, for example, Benny Tang and Reverend Ju, 
they all are come from so-called evangelical denominations. So I think um for they 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 are uh quite easy basis. They they will think that okay, they just want to support democracy and to support good. Um and this is the Christian duty to do good. And uh the Bible told us that uh if um the authority has do something bad, uh, Christians should bold enough to say no uh to the government. I think that's all. And then you found that um um that that even from Benny Tai's uh, exposition, uh, you will find that he he does not uh, have a kind of liberation theology to to think about whether Christianity can join in communism or go against communism. Okay, so the issue is justice and not fo- not the form of government as such. Uh, n- no, not the form of government. Just about democracy, and they want the government keep promise um, uh, that uh, they they have given to the people. Yeah. So this is but I after the unbearable movement you will find that the political situation gone worse and worse. And so that act for Christians uh, now yeah we are yeah, we are deeply to want to find out our spiritual resources for uh, what uh, Hong Kong Christians should look for in the near future. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds like you're saying that the, the protests are not successful then. I think that's just beginning. Yeah, um, the 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 protest is not successful. Yeah, um, we cannot uh, achieve uh, what we want. Uh, that is the universal voting right. But you found that um, actually um, during the movement, a lot of people um, in Hong Kong we call that being uh, weakened. They weakened from uh, even Christian. They weakened. Uh, for example, some very well off Christians professional Christians, uh, they realize actually our society is not so good. We have a lot of problems and social issues that we need to address. The government policy that uh, we uh, also need to look for. So I think the Occupy movement or Umbrella movement is just the starting point yeah, yeah, of the Hong Kong democratic endeavor. Yeah. So in other words, you're saying that Basically, they may not have been successful in changing the government's mind, but they were helpful in helping Christians maybe challenge themselves and see what they overlooked. And I guess that leads me to my next question, which is, would you say that the majority of Christians in Hong Kong are going to be wealthy? Well, I think when compared when compare with uh, average Hong Kong people, uh, from our statistics, you will find that um, because in in the past, Christian churches they run a lot of good schools, and so that a lot of Christians in Hong Kong they became Christian because they are in Christian schools, and they are trained by Christian school and go to universities and become professionals, and so that you will find that uh, actually Hong Kong Christians are middle upper class, mm-hmm. and many of them are quite well off professionals yeah in the society and actually when you um to look at the government that is very interesting even the government now a lot of officials uh they are christians or catholics and so it explains um yeah um how christian occupy the social positions yeah in hong kong 
Mark was asking you a little bit earlier about some of the influence that Christians on the mainland may have had on Hong Kong Christians. And I'm curious if you could tell us about the relationship between Hong Kong Christians and mainland Christians and the extent to which, you know, maybe Hong Kong Christians go over to the mainland to help disciple or train them or vice versa. Many of Hong Kong people, um, they were uh, refugees from the mainland. So you'll find that uh, mainland Hong uh, uh, Christians and Hong Kong Christians actually uh, will have a very strong relationship, yeah, uh, both historical or even uh, current uh, interaction relationship. In the past, maybe, for example, uh, in 1990s, yeah, Hong Kong Christians, uh, they offer a lot of help. Yeah, to the mainland Christians uh, in terms of resources, in terms of training, or even uh, yeah, in terms of money support. Yeah, uh, they offer a lot of support. But indeed, now mainland churches, in terms of population, okay, Christian population, they are much bigger than Hong Kong churches. So we found that, um, yeah, yeah, the 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 roles are somehow, uh, uh. From the past, uh, we 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 are helper, okay, and mainland churches are being helped. But now I think somehow we are co-workers or partners. Hong Kong churches still have some kind of advantage in terms of uh freedom of information, freedom of speech, uh, and freedom of movement, and so that uh we still um has role to to offer training. Or to offer some uh, the latest information about uh, the world Christianity, but but in terms of resources, I I don't think now uh, the mainland uh, they need Hong Kong help much, yeah, because they are quite well off indeed, yeah. Wow, interesting. Even in the midst of the more recent crackdowns on the church in China, in recent crackdown, you will see that Hong Kong uh become a platform for information. Hmm. Um, you will find that a lot of campaign to ask for the, the, the world awareness of this kind of Christian persecution, uh, initially they start from Hong Kong. Uh, you can see that, for example, the signature campaign petition also initiated uh, by Hong Kong Christians. So, so I think that you can see Hong Kong Christians are very concerned about our mainland brothers and sisters. Uh, so whenever they have some um, problems and, and we offer prayers, we offer voice, okay, uh, and we try to get the support uh, to support them. But yeah, in terms of resources, I, I'm still quite think that um, mainland churches, they are rising, yeah, um, and uh, Hong Kong churches is just keep steady in terms of resources, yeah. In terms of the divisions in the, that they're experiencing in Hong Kong. I'm wondering if anyone's taking what I'd call a big picture view. It, it has struck me that as, as I've looked at protest movements in the past, whether they're Christian or not, it does seem to me that there are some, this is related to some of the arguments of the, of the Christians who are against the protests. It has struck me that as I've read history of social change in various places, that actually it isn't usually an either or world. That is to say, there are some people on the front lines protesting, while there are some people in the government actually not protesting, but actually trying to make changes within the system, and there everybody in between. Uh, but in order for something to change, you need Christians doing all three things. 
But when you're in the middle of that tension and argument, it feels like an either or. If you're not for the protesters, you're not really a good Christian. Or if you are a protester, you're not, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, is anyone seeing it from that perspective in Hong Kong at this time? I can I can say that yeah um nobody could voice out that oh uh, when you uh, within the government then you can uh, initiate some kind of uh changes because we know that Hong Kong government uh somehow they are uh, also being controlled by um the central government I don't think that uh now uh, we have uh, some church leaders yeah, come out to say publicly Okay, we we need to have a uh, different kind of people, or or you may imagine uh, we have some kind of undercover within the government to initiate the movement. No, no, no church leaders uh, say that. Actually, yeah, because when you read uh, the central government's uh, um, papers, they indeed they were with Christianity as a kind of a tools of the so-called the peaceful. Revolution for them, so <laughs> so I think that's quite very quite difficult. Yeah, for whether we can have church leaders to come out to say, oh, we can have different people, and then uh, we can do different roses. Yeah, right, right. Well, they obviously, if you're working within an unjust structure to work for change, you can't very well say it out loud that you're doing it. Indeed, a, indeed. It, yeah. So actually, we are we are we are not um we are we are just a kind of a, a small part of the bigger uh, PLC politics. Yeah, so that, that is uh, quite quite sad for Hong Kong churches, I think, yeah, now, yeah. I'm wondering if there are any other names of Christian leaders in this movement that you think we should know or our listeners should know. Reverend Yu Tin Yao, okay, uh, he is the chairman. Um, uh, he was, okay, yeah, because he stepped down and retired now. Uh, he was the chairman of a Methodist Church in Hong Kong, and I think he is—he was—he uh, uh, is uh, one of the very senior um, clergymen in Hong Kong churches. That uh, he openly uh, stepped out and to support the Occupy movement. And even, for example, during the Occupy movement, he opens the church to uh, let the 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 companion, the companion uh, to come to the church, take waters, or to use washroom, or to take a rest, or to have some silence moment. Uh, so he is very generous, uh, and uh, to to those uh companions uh, by that time. And so I think uh, Reverend Yu um, is uh, one of the very important leaders that uh the outside world should know. But you found that actually, uh, besides uh, particular leaders, uh, a lot of um, young pastors in Hong Kong, um, they form groups and to to become a kind of so-called post-umbrella groups and to support and to continue the spirit of uh, the campaign. Yeah, so I think um, these groups uh, you can uh, take notice of, yeah. How do you, how would you challenge listeners of this podcast to pray for the Hong Kong church? I would like to ask for uh, Christians uh, in, in the world to pray for Hong Kong, for hearts, uh, especially for Hong Kong church and Christians, uh, for hearts of love and peace. 
because I think uh, in the division, uh, we have a lot of um, hatredness uh, and anger yeah, uh, in ourselves. So please pray for us for a, a heart of love and praise. Also, pray for us a heart of a spiritual discernment and justice. As I have told you, um, some people, we are, we are living in alternate, alternative uh, reality, okay? We need much spiritual discernment to find out the truth and the falsehood uh, and fight for the justice um, uh, to, uh, for the people. I ask for to pray for our hearts uh, with patience and service. Uh, just as Mark told, uh, maybe some uh, now uh, we we cannot be successful just uh, to use social activism. But I think service um, and um, Christian generosity and kindness, yeah, can can show how we can achieve. Uh, justice and and equal society or a, a equality society yeah, in Hong Kong um, yeah, through our Christian witness yeah, in our life. Yeah, so please uh, pray for us uh, for these areas. Yeah. It's very helpful. Thank you. It's very specific. That, you know, that's my pressure. Yeah. Yes, I think that's what Mark is usually preaching all the time, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, the, the, yeah. the, uh, I think what's being experienced in Hong Kong is every social justice movement is tempted toward hate and anger because the justice is so, the injustice is so infuriating. Indeed, indeed. Yeah, but for Christians, that's just not, that's not going to work. We've got to move beyond the the hate and the anger and still seek justice without giving up. Yeah. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. But it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. Oh my gosh, it's really hard when you're in the middle of it, when you're in the middle of the battle. Oh my gosh. Yeah, because every day when you um yeah when when you yeah, read the newspaper, read the news on the internet, on the TV, you find so many disgusting things and irritating things happen, yeah, around you. Yeah. So and Mark is all about Christian unity, even in the midst of the stuff. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I should yeah, read the uh, uh, Mark's work. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you should. Well, thank you so much, Andrew, for chiming in and educating us about this. I want to remind everyone that, they, that if they have feedback, they can leave it for us on Twitter. We're at CT Podcast. They can also send us an email. We're at podcast at christianitytoday.com. And as everyone, I believe, knows, this podcast is made possible by people who support our ministry. And Mark had a chance to go along with a couple other staff members down to the Lily Endowment in Indiana last week, Indianapolis, I believe. And what kind of stuff did you guys do there? First, oh, and also, what is the Lily Endowment, I guess? The Lily Endowment, they, uh, they give away lots of money. Uh, to, And one of their areas that they give money to is to uh, churches. They mostly, in their history, have given it to mainline and liberal churches. But in the last few years, they've decided that uh, evangelical organizations are worthy of some of their funds. So they've given funds to National Association of Evangelicals and to Christianity Today. So they gave us a fair amount of money to help us uh, with our infrastructure so that we could be continue to be uh, evolve and be competitive in the, in the world of journalism. And then they invite all these grantees to a conference to talk and share and see if there's any synergy going on between groups that they can work together on. So that was what that conference was about. 
So we mix it up with people of all sorts of uh, political, theological views. From my perspective, some more disconcerting than others. <laughs> but it was, uh, we had uh, just good meetings for two days. And the, the probably the most important thing for me is I got to spend three and a half hours in the car with our new president going down there and just getting to know him better. Mark, when you spend time with Christians of all different backgrounds, it's a great time to put your editorials into practice. Then. Exactly. <laughs> we did have one interesting small group in which I did get to pr practice what I preach because the uh, the nature of the conversation was... Intense. Intense, exactly. <laughs> and we left talking to each other and smiling anyway, so that was good. That is good. All right, so if people want to give to Christianity Today, to our ministry, they can do that by going to morect.com slash podcasts. That is morect.com slash podcasts. Now is the time of the show that we call Precious Moments, and it gives everyone a chance to share something in the past week that was a highlight. Mark, you can go. Well, I just uh, I gave a hint that I was away for the weekend and was able to, of, of the many things I did that weekend, uh, I got to spend two days fishing with my oldest, with my son, happens to be my oldest child. An 11 mile, 11 mile canyon in Colorado. And we got to see, you know, various and sundry wildlife up there osprey, a fox, deer, but of course, trout as well. That's cool. You saw a fox, though. Yeah. yeah. Where was the fox? He was just on the side of the road at one point. Yeah. So that was pretty cool. But yeah, just to be spend time with, uh, with my son and in God's, it's a beautiful canyon with these huge granite boulders. Beautiful river, beautiful fish. It makes you really appreciate the uh, the beauty of creation and the God who created it. We actually have a piece on our website right now. It's a science piece about find if animals can appreciate beauty too, and it's the the conclusion is yes, and kind of what that means. Okay. I'm just noting that since you were talking about creation being beautiful right now, if people want to find you outside of this, where should they go? I publish something called the Galley Report, which uh, you can subscribe to. It's a weekly report in which I link to articles and comment on them. Uh, you can subscribe to it by going to christianitytoday.com slash the Galley Report. And I'd encourage you to give it a shot. Mark spells his name G-A-L-L-I. Correct. In case you're wondering. All right, Andrew, what, what brought you joy in the past week? Uh, I have a heavy heart. Yeah, because if you uh, read uh, the news from Hong Kong, uh, now uh, we have a very big controversial about uh, the so-called uh, extradition bill. Yeah, that's the, to send back the, the suspect, okay, the criminal suspect, uh, especially uh, to the mainland China. Then so a lot of Hong Kong people, they worry about that. Um, that when that bill has passed, that uh, the political rights uh, will be departed, um, yeah, in Hong Kong. And so, I found that yeah, uh, a lot of my fellow Christians in Hong Kong, although I am in Oxford now, sunny day, beautiful scene, yeah, but my heart is very, very heavy, yeah, um, and yeah, and a lot of fellow Christians that they. Um, initiate a lot of the uh, signature sign up yeah, uh, petition yet yeah, to ask for the government to retract uh, the bill. But seems that uh, because the central government officials, they stand out to say that, uh, no, uh, that bill should be passed yeah, uh, for justice. Okay. Uh, they think this is for justice. Yep. Yeah. So uh, that bill should be passed. And uh, I think a new uh, storm of 
political division and struggle uh, will begin soon. Yeah, in my home city. So yeah, yeah, my heart is very heavy. Yeah. I think sorry, it's yeah. it's at times like these when you just also feel really far away from everybody too. Uh yes yes yeah so uh, that's uh uh I I want to be with them and uh though the WhatsApp uh Facebook yeah can connect you yeah uh, uh with them yeah but uh yeah you want to yeah show support and you want to have some kind of concrete yeah uh, to be with them. Yeah. So, is there any place that people can find you outside of this podcast online? Uh, yes, you uh, you can uh, visit my website at my university. Um, that is Hong Kong Baptist University. You just uh, type Hong Kong Baptist University and type Huawei Learn, uh, and then you can find me. Yeah, and can connect me with my email. My email is wlkwk at hkbu.edu.hk yeah i'm happy that uh, you uh, would like to uh, contact with me and to discuss about hong kong situation or chinese church situation all right well my precious moment will either make mark feel really dated or culturally relevant one of them <laughs> so i decided over the weekend that i was going to try to see if i wanted to get into a band called bts mark have you heard of them at all <laughs> Have you heard of them at all, Andrew? The K-pop band? Uh, no, no, no. I, I want to learn. Okay. <laughs> you can send me. <laughs> so I've been thinking about getting into K-pop for, I don't know, the past couple months. And I listened to it on and off. But BTS, for people who do not know, is definitely a global phenomenon of a K-pop band. They were actually just here in Chicago two weeks ago. I was out of town that weekend. But the tickets sold out in like two hours afterwards. And they performed two oh. nights at our largest stadium. You do know them. Fantastic. Yeah, two hours, so all the <laughs> tickets. Yeah. Exactly. And I think all like the, anyway, it was pretty expensive to go to the show. But I really like things that people get excited about, and it's fun to be excited with them as well. So I was listening to their album all weekend, and I was also trying to read some articles. Their fan base is actually called an army, which I think, or the army, I guess, which I think is kind of funny. This is the boy band from South Korea? You know it. Yeah. Well, w- Wikipedia knows it, and I just looked it up. All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I I don't think I'm going to be that obsessive of a fan the more I get into it, but it is fun to know what is, like, making other people happy and excited. Yeah, so I'm looking forward to that. I'm also going to the Ariana Grande concert next week, which is also exciting because I am definitely a fan of hers. So You're into music right now. Yes. Definitely. All right. All right. People can find me on Twitter at M-E-P-A-Y-N-L. That is it for us this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening to another episode of Quick to Listen. This podcast is produced by myself and Cray Allred. The music is by Sweeps. You can rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts. You can also find the podcast on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, wherever you want to get it. We are there. We will see you all next week.